Welcome to Measuring Flicks. I'm Carl Hartley. I'm Max Peterson, and we are here to talk to you about movies that you may not have seen or movies that you have seen, but in much greater depth than you have ever thought about Mm -hmm. them before at the cost of our own sanity. Especially Um, this month. All right. So since this is our first episode, we're going to tell you a little bit about the format of the show, but we're not going to belabor the point because it's really about the movies and not the, the, the thing that we're doing with them. Right. I don't know what I'm trying to say. It's early in the morning and we haven't gotten Cheers. very far through our coffee yet. All right. So what we're going to do is every month we're going to watch four movies on a theme, essentially. Uh, every three months, we are going to put all those movies in a big old pot and see which flavors rise to the top. Not a bad metaphor, right? Yeah, that's pretty good. So, uh, and I'll then accept you. At the end of each year, we're going to take the best four from each quarter and have a big old shootout and see what the... A, Big old shootout. shootout. And we're going to see which which was the best movie that we have watched that year. What sort of movies, you ask? Are we going to go down to the local Cineplex and watch the newest Avengers flick? Go fuck yourself. No. We're watching things like... I mean, I will, uh, but we're not going to talk about them on the podcast. No. We could actually know what we could probably do some of those as Patreon only. It's be like... (laughs) True story. The the newest drivel. uh, Right. Our special special episode. That dripped off the taint of... of yeah, current Christopher Nolan. Right. <laughs> no, although I'm a big fan of Christopher Nolan yeah. movies. No, we're gonna be watching stuff uh, like, for example, coming up. We're gonna we have a movie de- uh, a month dedicated to Nicolas Cage, uh, and not his big like mainstream stuff either. We're watching <laughs> things like Kiss of Death, uh, Drive Angry, and Valley Girl. Uh, you can look forward to movies like Blue Velvet and Eraserhead. We're we're watching everything from the crazy exploitation films mm-hmm. to art house films to uh, very strange. Uh, uh, put out um, f- strange films by auteur directors. Directed DVD stuff. <laughs> but we also have classic gems like Butch and the uh, Butch, Butch Cassidy, Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Kid, The Searchers. We've got some. We've got some real. Um, some 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 uh, not too crazy movies, there's, right? Like yeah. Some, there's there's gold amongst the madness. More um, coffee for brain. Yeah. Keep going. Um, and we're, we're also going to look occasionally at classics like Die Hard and Lethal Weapon, mm-hmm. movies you've definitely seen. We're going to look at Oscar winners like 12 Years a Slave. But uh, we're trying to give give as wide a breadth of films as possible. And our, our focus will be movies that you may not have seen mm-hmm. or movies that you may not have understood at all. <laughs> at not, that, right. not that we're going to understand them, but we're going to take our time and dive into them as deeply as possible. All right. So this first month of March. Uh, our theme this month is March Madness. It's all, so all basketball movies. <laughs> it's all basketball movies. We're going to watch we're Killer Bud, or not Killer Bud, Air Bud. Air Bud, right? <laughs> Killer Bud. <laughs> Killer Bud. <laughs> it's hard, you know, after watching the movies that we've watched for this month, mm-hmm. it's hard not to, to go straight to Killer Bud. <laughs> Seriously, though. The story of a dog that eats its owner. <laughs> right. <while> his, well, <laughs> he eats a high school varsity basketball team. Right, and his owner sits quietly in the background and smokes a nervous cigarette. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh... Several nervous cigarettes. Several. Um, so the first movie on the docket this month. Let's just dive right into it. Uh, mm-hmm. We we watched. This was a suggestion of yours. Yes. And I'm so glad <laughs> you suggested this movie. Uh, it's uh, in the mouth of madness. Yes, my favorite John Carpenter movie. You vamp, and I'm gonna go get the deets. So I'm a big fan of John Carpenter. Anyway, like the thing is fantastic. He did Halloween. Who doesn't know the original Halloween? Mm-hmm. You hear that? You know you're watching Halloween. So. The fact that this is my favorite John Carpenter movie surprises even me because of 
like you have Escape how, from New York, how and well Prince loved of Darkness, his other films and how, are. The, uh, this Big movie, Trouble in Little China. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so this movie, it's just I think it's the time that I was watching it. I was a senior in high school. I watched it with my best friend uh, at his house. We rented it on VHS when it came out. Oh, this is a perfect VHS just, movie. Oh my god, we if watched I could have got it, this on VHS. We then. watched it and we were just we were just freaked out enough to where he had to drive me home afterwards and he kind of lives out in the woods a little bit. Mm-hmm. So there's a scene we can talk about later where they're driving to try and find Hobbs Knob or whatever yeah. and the lights <laughs> go out in the car and there's a creepy kid on a bike. Well, he's driving uh, me home and guess guess what we pass? A fucking creepy kid on a bike. Not an old man in Not an old man, but like just enough like like we didn't say anything about it, but when my when my friend dropped me off at home I was like so we going to talk about that or no? I'm like, no, I feel, I feel like we probably shouldn't. <laughs> That's fine. Best not to think too bad be, or think too uh, too heavily about yep. it because you'll go mad. You'll go mad. But oh it's just God. one of those cool stories that uh, um, I didn't. I meant to look it up, but I, I don't recall which movie came out first: Wes Craven's New Nightmare or In the Mouth of Madness, because they're both movies about. Like a movie within a movie. Well, this movie is either 1994 or 1995. Depending on where you look, right? right? I found it uh, when I went on Google and just looked. uh, I like to get the basics of the films that we're doing. Um, Google told me 94. IMDb told me 95. 95 was what IMDb said, yeah. So I wasn't wasn't sure what exactly that was about. Um, But yeah, directed the the fact that it was directed by John Carpenter. Uh, Sometimes when you watch a John Carpenter movie, it just, it looks like a a, a film, but you Mm -hmm. can see Halloween in this movie so clearly mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> that there's that scene where we have we basically have Mike Myers without his mask on and we have the scene when the the agent walks across the street yes oh, absolutely love it. it so in the mouth of madness follows an insurance investigator right. in, in Sam Neill um, uh, playing John Trent. John Trent. Yeah, and he's uh, he's looking for a missing writer, Stephen King. Ste- Stephen King, Sean and no. Sutter Kane. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, no. <laughs> Sutter Kane. <laughs> well, they even, they, they quashed that one early because it's obvious that this author that he is tasked to to look for to to disprove some sort of insurance claim mm. that the author is missing and he doesn't have the pages for the most recent book that's called The In the Mouth of Madness is going to drive everybody crazy when they read it, so... They very early say, you know, he even outsells Stephen King. So they kind of they squash this, that. They tag Stephen King twice, too. Yeah. He's like, well, he's a pretty big author if he even outsells Stephen, Stephen King, King, who he is not. Who right. he is, right. Right. But, uh, so yeah. it's like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We know. So so Sam Neill, I like that Sam Neill is an insurance investigator, and we get to it in a little bit why I like that so much. But, uh uh, Sutter Kane's books, they even the even his early works have mm-hmm. a unique effect on the people the readers, who read right? them, right? Yeah. So like they they describe the effect as like paranoia and and fear and sometimes even like the hallucinations, mild hallucinations right. on their less stable readers, on their less stable <laughs> readers. And uh, the only person who had read the new the new book was, was his, his agent. His agent, yeah. Um. So yeah, that. But like just to go to talk about Friday the Thirteenth, no, no, not Friday the Thirteenth, uh, Nightmare Halloween. on Elm Street. Or Nightmare on Elm Street, yeah. The opening sequence to this book or to this movie, when I was sitting there and, and you know I'm like, okay, let's see what this is about, and that music comes up, that like mid nineties, it's mid nineties montage yep. music to a T. So that comes up, and then we get a bunch of macro shots of a printing press, and I can't remember which one it is, but there's a Nightmare on Elm Street movie that has a series, a montage series of like machine parts 
like boiler room, like close ups. I want to say room, that that is the is not it, the new nightmare. Is the one before the really really campy one? Yeah, is it the is it the Dream Child or the Dream Warrior? It's the one after that. It's the one where the the one that was in 3D at the end. Oh right right right. It it but whatever it was, <coughs> it it couched me so perfectly yep. in a time you period. know where you are you're in the 90s you're right. watching a new line cinema horror flick oh my god i saw new line cinema and i was like yes, yes. i'm home yeah exactly I'm right home. it's such it was, a comfortable place to and this be. whole movie has that weird it has that 90s yes. film feel that's so nostalgic mm-hmm. it, that's we don't we talk a lot about the nitpicks and we we pull these movies apart when we get into them well this is our first episode but trust us that's what we do yeah um uh, we 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 dig into these like these little nitpicky details, but there's something to be said for the all in, the encompassing feel of a film, and this yes. has been one of the best examples of just like I was I was 90s immediately like cinema, yeah. <laughs> yeah I was immediately like you know like 16 again, mm-hmm. and I'm over at my friend Jared's house and we're watching a movie that my parents would be so pissed if they knew I was like what are you it. watching is this an R are and, you watching an R and our I love that our first. One of our first lines of dialogue. So I, li- I like the structure of the movie. It's uh, we do the bookended the film the the film is bookended by scenes where basically we see a, we started a mental institution, yes. and a, cr- a screaming raving maniac is brought in in a in a straitjacket, and we're like, oh okay, who's this? Because we know from the credits that Sam Neill will be our star. Right, exactly. And uh, lo and behold, it's Sam it's Neill. Sam Neill. Oh hi. <laughs> And he's just like seriously crazy, like playing it raving, raving, yes. raving lunatic. My favorite part about the uh, that opening scene is that uh, our first, almost our first line of actual dialogue from Sam Neill is, "I'm sorry about the balls. <laughs> sorry about the balls. It was really just a lucky shot." <laughs> <laughs> Or no, it was a lucky shot. It was that's a lucky all. Lucky shot. That's all. Yep. But uh, yeah, that the that the fact that we start there. Yep. This is. I know that this is John Carpenter horror, but this is also Big Trouble in Little China. John yes. Carpenter. This is. There are so many playful parts in this movie. Um, but we we take he takes us to the uh, <laughs> he t- we t- we start in this um the the it's actually a water treatment plant is where they shot. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, they uh this was. The, uh, this was a common place to shoot uh, like mental asylums and prison sequences, but post 9/11, no one's allowed to shoot there anymore. Really? But, yeah, because it's, it's an active water treatment oh, plant, no and shit. they don't let large like, groups nope. of people in. It's like on lockdown Makes all sense. the time. So this is this is one of those movies that was shot. In That's the one of the thing when I because th- I've watched this movie several times <laughs> mm-hmm. since the 90s. This is one of my favorite movies. So one of the things that always sticks with me is that first scene. It's one of those weird things where we've watched. Or will be watching several movies that have an asylum in them. And they always have that dirty, dark sort of feel to them. But this, right. the entranceway lobby to this is like so clean and so white and crisp. And everyone is like, the doctors are very It almost looks like real. a sci-fi hotel. It does, right. right. You don't know whether you're in a John Carpenter horror movie or if you're in a, um, yeah, like, you know, like some, some sort of far future. Yeah, far future, like everyone's like Mr. happy. Nobody yeah, or, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has that. It has. It does give you that little. That little bit of uh, one of the things that I noticed with this more so. There's another movie that we're going to do this month, The Machinist. Mm-hmm. But this movie, as well, to a small degree, creates this weird sense of unreality. Yeah, just a little bit. 
off. Well, I and I I wrote down we I don't want to get too nitpicky no, no. too quick, That's but right. uh, as far as the cinematography goes, I'm sure you noticed as well that even when Carpenter doesn't need to shoot with a super wide angle lens. He shoots he with a super wide angle lens. And what that creates, for those of you who don't know, is when you use a really wide, like wide angle will catch like a panoramic view, but a super wide angle, like anything under like 18 millimeters, will create a fishbowl effect where With the, the edges. edges of the screen yeah. are distorted. And a lot of times, in the, even in the early scenes, in the scenes where they're driving in the car looking for Hobbs End, mm-hmm. in the scene uh, at the church, when they pan up the church, he's using that fishbowl lens effect so that at the edges of reality, mm-hmm. the edges of reality are distorted and, and bowed and And bent. it also gives a larger scale to the object he's shooting, too. Like, that, that church that they shot wasn't as big as it appears to be. You know, when he's the way he's shooting it makes that... The Black Byzantine Church or whatever look like it's shadowing the entire town of Hobbs Knob. Hobbs Knob. <laughs> You're just gonna do that forever. I'm just gonna call it Hobbs Knob. Um, yeah. Gobblers. <laughs> it's because I keep getting Gobblers Knob. Like this is not right. Groundhog's Day. <laughs> <laughs> he does use. Um, he uses another another. Uh, he uses like trick photography from time to time too. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about the effects, but like when we. Uh, Later, and by the way, we're just assuming that you've seen the movie, so we're not gonna, always assume you've seen the movie. These are gonna be spoiler heavy. These yeah. are for you to sort of be uh, like a like a companion piece to the movie, right? You know, and, and I don't want to spend like the whole episode recapping what the plot. No, we're just going to talk about the shit that we either liked or didn't like about it, and you can follow along, right? Picking and digging in. So there's this the scene when they uh, first get to Hobbs End, and he's he's like, "This is reality, Linda." By the way, did you know that in this movie, Sam Neill like. His accent's horrible? It is the most New Zealand, which is where he's from, the most New Zealand accent you've ever heard. He dips in and out of, like, trying to cover it, not cover it, and it's kind of like he sometimes, doesn't give a shit. Yeah, like, <laughs> it sounds like sometimes he, like, is kind of, like, half-assing a Sam Spade, like, Linda, I'm an insurance investigator, and I've, we've got to right. get to the bottom of this. And then other times he's like... Uh, over there, there's oh, a crazy. Exactly. <laughs> oh my god, a bunch of children. I was watching this with my girlfriend Danielle, and she's like, she's "Like, what accent is he doing?" I'm like, "He's not. He's trying to do English, I think, and like American English." And he's like, flying so high on fucking Jurassic Park money that he doesn't even. He care. doesn't even care at this point. But uh, no, so there's that scene where they, you know, they open up the the window, and he's like, mm-hmm. "Look, there should be a there Byzantine be, church, right. and it's just an old fucking barn." Right. That that shot of that barn is one of the scariest things in the movie just because like it's something like so about weird. the picture it seems to be like floating I think he's on like a really intense zoom yeah so that we're seeing it the way that they're seeing it like zoomed in and it creates like this little wobble in the image where I'm like oh, is, is the barn not real that's weird is that not real is that a mirage barn and then she of course goes uh, you didn't read carefully enough and opens the curtain and lo and behold there's that big fucking evil church ah uh, church so when they shoot that church we get a couple times but this is the most pronounced we get a Dutch tilt, a heavy Dutch tilt, like a 45-degree angle <laughs> yep. Dutch tilt. Like that You're looking ch- up at skirt, yeah, essentially. That church is showing you, like... It's um, showing you its balls. <laughs> it's just a lucky shot. Um, so we see the, a heavy Dutch tilt, and the next shot is a super wide-angle fishbulb pan to the top. So mm-hmm. the church, the two, like, establishing shots of the church are completely off-kilter. Yeah. Like, as off-kilter as you can possibly get. There's other weird things about Hobbs End, too, and one of them is the fact that Happy Gilmore's grandmother runs the hotel. <laughs> That's who that was. Yeah, that, that crazy old lady. I'm oh the second God. I saw her, I'm like, 
hey, is that? And then she opened her mouth. I'm like, it's Happy it's Gilmore's Happy grandma. <laughs> oh, my God. My hands are tired. Well, yeah, well, all of you is about to be like, <laughs> right. she, oh, my God. That is totally who the fuck that is. So, uh, by the way, I thought that uh, the, the, the most horrifying part of her character is the contrast between, in my mind, my first introduction to her, Happy Gilmore's grandmother, right. and her naked, decrepit husband handcuffed to her ankle. Yes. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? Well, because we know from Linda that yes, in the book... The, this she chops up her husband. With right. an axe, right, into little pieces, and then Sam Neill's like, Linda, the only thing that she's capable of doing is... Ma- <clears throat> sorry. <clears throat> sorry. Is uh, dropping her husband's uh, dentures in his coleslaw. <laughs> you know? <laughs> In his beer. <laughs> right, his beer. <laughs> Over there. Over no. there, right. But no, like, we know that she, Linda thinks, chop him up. Sam yep. Neill's like, you're fucking crazy. It's She's Happy Gilmore's crazy, grandma. Right, exactly. You, did you see Happy that. Gilmore, Linda, which hasn't been made yet? She he, he, he doesn't call her Linda. Calls her, um, by Stikes, Stikes? Styles? Sty- uh, it might see their Stikes or, no, it's, sty- it's Styles because in the machinist his landlady's name is shrike and that's why i'm getting mixed up interesting but interesting. uh yeah so so the the space in between is what's scary to me mm-hmm. because she's not chopping up her husband yet and sam neil's not entirely wrong she seems like kind of tired the nice grandma was well, she hasn't slept her but eyes there's are really that red. there's that moment of naked handcuffed husband right before she chops him up, that that like that liminal space between yep. him being between her being like an otter monster and like totally innocuous is creepy because it really lets you know that there's some nothing is as it yep. seems. Um, yeah, I just uh, I mean I had this this movie has so many great little carpenter moments before yep. they get to Hobbs End. Mm-hmm. Well, I think well because it just starts right off with. Is this all happening for real? Is it a hoax? Is it a... Because <clears throat> it's under the assumption that at first, the publishing company is setting up an elaborate hoax. They send Sutter Kane away for two to three weeks to, to stage a disappearance, right. to, to bring up book sales for his newest book, right, In the Mouth of Madness. I thought it was interesting it, because we do find out. You're right that we mm-hmm. do find out she. Uh, uh, sh- her name is Linda, right? Yeah. I okay. Think so. Well, she even she she does confess. She admits. She like, says, you're right, but that's sent, how I we, know that you're wrong. Right. We <laughs> sent him away. We staged this as a as a uh, uh, like a publicity stunt. We sent him away for two to three weeks, but. The fact that I know that that's what we did is how we know this is wrong. I think it's interesting that his agent actually, in fact, went insane and tried to kill Sam Neill with an axe and was shot to death. Yes. And the publishing house didn't even bat an eye. No. They just... They're like, well... They're like, everyone, hold the line. Hold hold hold, the line. Hold. Hold. Like, if you think about that, that That's publishing house is up. a fucking, they're monstrous. Well, as Charlton Heston is their, their, is their head, C- head yeah, their whatever, CEO. Yeah. So. But, <laughs> so you maybe expect that from him, you know? <laughs> oh boy, was he phoning it in. Oh, he was barely <laughs> Hey, hold, hold my calls, I gotta talk to this guy, so... <laughs> Sutter Sutter Kane is missing line. line. (laughs) Oh, you're rolling. God damn it. (laughs) That's pretty good, Charles Nestor. 
He, he talks from the bottom of his jaw. Like, you see a lot of his teeth. Well, you just expect. It's in Michael Fassbender, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. You see that whole bottom that row. That whole bottom row. But. Very beautiful. But no, you're right. It's like, oh, shit, this didn't work out well. You but still, the, bring the insurance adjuster you in. Think and the moment that the. That the, the cops the shoot agent, <laughs> right? Yeah, as soon as he destroys the window and has an axe. Now, here's the other thing that I like. I had their HR department must have been like shitting their pants. <laughs> like we're gonna get so fucking we're sued. So sued. Oh, we're so sued. No, just send Linda out with Sam Neil. No, it's fine, guys. It's we're just fine. gonna we're just gonna keep doing it's the fine. petty bullshit. We're gonna that have him read some books and put a map together from the cover page. Like what that the was. Fuck? His scissor skills were so on so point. So on point. <laughs> when right. He looks at like a couple of a couple of. Uh, by the way, did you see the the actual New Hampshire that he like cuts, he out, cuts of out of six the... book? When you look at the pieces that he cut them out of, I'm like, they're perfectly no... aligned. And also, there's nothing in any of them to indicate that they should be. It. You could have taken six blank pieces of paper and cut them yes. to make New Hampshire <laughs> the exact same way. I'm like. What the fuck was he looking at that made him see? It was the red. It was the red lines that are through the each of the oh, covers. Oh, that makes there a are, map. Yeah, there are red okay. lines, like almost like, like the book covers are sort of tearing apart. Like there's an energy underneath. Like, oh, sort of, I see. That was like and an when you cut along the cut red along lines, those red lines. Okay, I didn't yeah. see that. So when I first well, saw that, I was looking for them because I remember <laughs> like noticing that the first time I you saw. You have these. seen it before. Oh yeah. Okay, if I watched it again, I would have looked closely you at those book covers. You can see that he is tracing along these red lines that are part of the artist. He did. Because Sutter Kane did his own artwork as well, right? Gotcha. So. Well, when I saw it, my first thought was like, well, it could have been, he could have done California. Right, he could have done anything. It's New Hampshire. <laughs> it's like, hmm. Look, I made a collage of New Hampshire. <laughs> right. This doesn't help us at all. I have no idea where Sutter Kane well, is, I but like isn't that he, a goddamn good New Hampshire? I'm like the, 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 <laughs> that that uh, he must have gone to like an office max or whatever, got the acetate to put over and trace it. Like he did He's a lot a professional. of professional. He did a lot of arts and crafts to, to present it, that map to. It gets interesting when you run into a professional, it, and he is a professional. Right. He's a professional. <laughs> He's a professional. Oh um, but I want to go back really quick to the agent because mm-hmm. it had occurred to me that maybe you know cops, it, they're like actors. It's blanks. Maybe it's staged. Right. But there's that double pupil effect, mm-hmm. which is so fucking awesome. That. That like uh, that effect that Carpenter does to give him the that split double split pupil that was fucking spooky. Yes, I watched this broad daylight and I was like, oh, oh. something about eyes. I don't know what it is. Well, the eyes are the windows to the soul, my dear. That so. is true, and in mm. his soul lies madness. Absolutely, in the mouth of madness, 1995. John Carpenter. He sees you. The ble- yeah, bleeding, bleeding out of the eyes, eyes yeah. too. That's something about that spooky as shit. Yeah. I like that Sam Neill goes in and he's he's like, oh, I gotta see what this Sutter Kane's about. Better buy all his books. All of his books. <laughs> <laughs> I've got an extra forty five minutes tonight. I'm gonna go ahead. Yeah, I got a half a pack yeah. of cigarettes, a cup of coffee in 40 minutes. I can just read all these. What is it with the smoking? Was we watch these movies out of order? We we watched. Yeah, we at this point we have seen all of the movies mm-hmm. for mouth for March Madness. Can we pick? Did we pick some movies coming up that don't have quite as much smoking? Well, they're all westerns, so no. Fuck. I know. Carl uh, has recently quit smoking and. My God, does Sam Neill smoke a sexy cigarette? Smoke, the way he just puts it in his mouth is yeah, sexy. Yeah, like he puts it's it like that Sam crooks Spade it in. Like, so yeah. he he uh, he screws a cigarette into the corner of his yeah, mouth. Like, yeah, there's something <laughs> real manly and gruff about Sam Neill smoking, and also, my God, the squinting. Oh, this his, the, through the his yeah. uh, his his don't let the smoke get in your eyes face. But somehow, like I was. My first impulse is I'm like, I'm going to mock that. And then I'm like, yeah, but he looks pretty good. He looks pretty good. Man, he looks pretty good. Everyone smokes such a 
great cigarette. Yeah, they're smoking them '90s cigarettes, man. Those, yeah, those '90s cigarettes were a different animal. They were different smoking animal. jarums they, and shit. They came with chest hair <laughs> and a cowboy hat. Um, exactly. <laughs> we'll get to it when we get to the machinist, but that is the those are the grossest looking cigarettes that we've seen. Yes. Like the machinist by far, and I think it might just. They're not talking about the machinist. Not yet. No. Okay. All right. Um, more in the mouth of madness stuff. Uh, Jesus, there's so fucking I know. much. Well, one of the things I, th- I like about the Sutter Kane connection is <clears throat> Stephen King and John Carpenter are actually real life friends. Yes. Um, Carpenter uh, also directed one of Stephen King's adaptations. John Carpenter directed Christine. That's right. So I feel like a lot of the Stephen King stuff is a nod, but I was really disappointed when we finally meet. Sutter Kane, and it wasn't. It wasn't Stephen a nerdy King. like. No, I wanted. Glasses, yeah. Oh my god, I wanted Stephen because Stephen no, King has Jorgen... been in stuff. Like he's in Sons of Anarchy. He was. He, oh yeah. Yeah, he makes little appearances in a lot of the movie adaptations of his stuff. Can you imagine if those like doors, doors are banging and it's Stephen <laughs> King in like some weird ass makeup? I would have got up out of my seat and applauded. Yeah, I'm like, well done. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, I recognize under that fake schnoz, you Mr. Stephen King. But I guess there's maybe too much acting in it. Well, I like mean, that. he yeah. he's actually Sutter Kane is actually more of a parallel to H.P. Lovecraft. Oh, absolutely. With the the things the, from the, the old ones, yep. you know, like the, yeah. the things from beyond. And I, even the idea <clears throat> at the very end of the movie, as you can see, we're just jumping all over uh, at the very end of the movie when Sutter Kane rips that hole and there's all the pages and Sam Neill looks into the void. You'd think there's like most filmmakers would show you the horrors that he was seeing. Like, if this was a Nightmare on Elm Street film, right? we would see hell, and we'd see these, like, the bad, fires bad the, monsters yep. roiling yep. out of them, and the effects would never do it justice. But seeing Sam Neill just stare at ostensibly nothing. Blackness, yeah. Yeah, just staring into blackness, and behind him, Linda's reading the end of Sutter Kane's last book, and she's describing the horrors. I thought that that was so perfect. Yes. Because at the end... You know, like this, Sutter Kane is writing reality. He becomes essentially becomes God, and I'm written that way. Like, right? Yeah. Like he, like uh, I'm. He wants me to kiss you now. He thinks the readers will love it. You know, yeah. like so, like the way that a book, like an innocuous passage of a book, can like break your brain with horror. Yes. But if an, if someone tried to show you that. You'd be able to like comprehend it. I think part of the fear is when you see something, you can like try do your best to rationalize it. Yeah, reading it is just in your head, right? And right. also when you read it, the the author can say things like it was it like it was too horrifying for his mind to hold, and then your brain immediately like, is like, I can't comprehend that, right? Because the author's told you that you can't. It's right. and if he tried to show it, it would have been wrecked. I loved that so much, mm-hmm. but that passage that she reads, that is. That is H.P. Lovecraft. Yes. That is directly out of a story called The Rats in the Walls. Is it I, really? Yeah, that I read when I was younger. Oh, my goodness. Um, all of the passages, after I recognized that one at the end, I went and looked. and Because uh, I, I, I was a huge H.P. Lovecraft fan growing up. And I'm like, this all sounds like a lot like H.P. Lovecraft. And then I heard that, and I'm like, I that loved is. that story. That is fucking H.P. <laughs> Lovecraft with like a few words changed. Yeah. And that's what... Carpenter did is he took big fucking wax of H.P. Lovecraft and just, just threw it in there. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, oh God, it's good. Because they are the old ones. I mean, it's, it's, they're all like these little Cthulhu and the Cthulhu's. 
Um, I I'm, lights. I cannot verify this because I had rented it and had to go to work right after mm-hmm. uh, I finished watching it. But more little detail work, which I love in movies about people going crazy and unreality. Remember the bit in the end when they're on the bus and yes, did I ever mention my favorite, favorite color is blue. blue and bling? Um, apparently. Throughout the entire film, every close-up of every actor, when we're in close-up, they all have blue eyes. What? Think about the split pupils. All the split pupils are blue. They're blue? Right. Shit. But I, I haven't gone through and checked this frame well, by frame. Well, now I have to. Right. We're going to go back, but <laughs> oh I, I can, and I cannot verify it. But the few that I thought of, I was like, oh, yeah. And the, the, apparently the big thing is that it changes. They're not wearing those contacts all the time. It's only when you go to close-up. Only in close-up. Because okay. when, only when the writer is doing that detail work. Does it matter, right? Does it matter because it's his favorite color, but apparently when anytime we're in close-up, everyone's eyes in the entire movie are blue. And if that is true... I feel like Linda's eyes were brown. I feel like they were too, but are they brown in the super close-ups? I don't know. Oh my God, I don't know now. Drives you a little bit crazy, right? Kind of. It's like the, the famous movie Lie from Silence of the Lambs, mm-hmm. which would be so much better if it were true. There's the the old there's an old chestnut about that movie that uh, Anthony Hopkins' character never blinks at all while, while he's being filmed, but it's not true. He right. blinks repeatedly in the film. But when I first heard that, I, I that that became the thing about that movie which I was obsessed with, and yeah. now this is the thing where it's I'm like, like no, if blue eyes, if right. Carpenter could keep that, if he could maintain that throughout the whole movie, whoo. I feel like Carpenter is more the kind of I don't. He is more like just having fun making movies, and I don't know that he has that attention to detail. But maybe maybe he does because that is a fun sort of thing to throw in there. Right, right. I um. Yeah, I, I, he, he does seem like like the kind of guy who's gonna do just whatever we need to do for the day's shot, and let's yep. get on to the next crazy monster effect tomorrow, yep. like the wall of monsters mm-hmm. in the end. That was great. Yeah, but uh, but he does he does have a, a, a like a close eye for detail, even sure. in movies like Halloween. Like his his choices for cinematography, we should do we should do Halloween eventually. But like for example, when. It, when my, I think his choices are well thought out, maybe not such so mm-hmm. fine as like, all right, we need to coordinate every close up shot we need to have. Well, I think that he does in that, like, you know, when you're watching a John Carpenter movie, they have a certain feel and look to them. Right. You know, with, yeah. whether through the effects or his choice of camera angles. Or Except just for the, Ghosts of Mars. <clears throat> that is the one that we don't speak about. I'm sorry I brought it up. <laughs> or, escape all... from, or Escape from L.A. <laughs> Both of them. <laughs> But Escape from New York was great. I love it. Yeah. John Carpenter has a, and he has a lot. When you look at his IMDb page, he has a lot more directing credits than you mm-hmm. think he does. You recognize like half. And, and you're like, score writing. Like he writes most of the music for most of his stuff and performs it as well. Anything the, synthy is It him. wasn't so much in this one. I was looking it was for it. was him and one other person. Yeah. I was looking for it more in this one because I you, you can tell. You can hear the Carpenter the, the carpenter stuff, right? Yeah, the synthy stuff, but also he does have just he's a he's very like a, a simple uh, not simplistic but minimalist. He's yeah. got a very minimalistic composition style. There's other movies that he does where, um, you know, you'll hear that synth sound, but it's also sometimes like you can hear strings mm-hmm. or you can hear like clean piano and you can still tell. This one I felt was more the other gentleman's work right. than John Carpenter's work. I think that's fair enough. Um, but he does have that eye for detail, though. I think, like, if the, if everyone's eyes are blue in this, then it was definitely a, a you know. If that is true, if that is true, that would be amazing. I know, I know. Um, <clears throat> not to say I did not have any 
issues. Oh, I have I have a lot of this this movie. I have a hard time. It doesn't really stand up. It is a '90s movie. I wanted to know what what the fuck was going on. Like, what is Styles's choice? The character who plays Linda, right. the the actress who plays Linda Styles, mm-hmm. like. You know, I, I get her at first. She's like snooty, high flutin. But she's just always sort of hurt her. Well, it's it's that, but like when when she, okay when uh, um, Sam Neill's driving. Yeah. Like Sam Neill sees a couple of weird things, and then Style starts driving, and she sees all the weird. She things. sees the, the kid on the bike, like riding into the darkness. He won't let me leave, and right. then the old man, and the you know like, and then she sees like the weird stars, and the oh, the car is just floating in, fl- in the middle flying of space. in the sky, and then she drives into you know in the into and yeah, and Sam Neill wakes up and he's like, oh wow, that's great. And they get to town, and she sees the dog and the children running after the dog. Meanwhile, Sam Neill's like antiques. What a bunch of shit this is. Hey, what's, right. What's going on? Why do you She's look so scared? Going bonkers the whole time right like she she seems so susceptible like Sam, Sam Neill gets to the church and she's like we've got like her whole job is to find her, <laughs> right. her missing author she's like we, we gotta, gotta get go. out of they here have we gotta go there's right. guns and then by the way if if any of that was set up having sacrificing two people to be eaten by dogs <laughs> right like all right well we're gonna pay you uh you guys are extras so we're gonna pay you five dollars a $5. day uh, you're gonna get killed by a doberman you're gonna get killed by a doberman make sure you visit craft services before you go on the show yeah. You, yeah you're gonna want to try the ceviche that we brought here it's before you're killed delicious. by the dog right so like but yeah immediately i felt like but then other times when they're like in in the hotel and sam neil's like we're done, all right, we're done here. This is all just a bunch of bullshit. She's like, no, we need to soldier on. And he's like, well, why didn't we soldier on when you were, when like, you were running all... the fuck away yep. in mad terror at the church? She's such a polarized yes. character. At the church, she's in terror. And then later, when a child with a demon's face and double eyes is like, give me my ball, she's like, right, here you go, kid. And nothing at all. Right. Not worried in the You're slightest. You're our mummy. Yeah. Play with his mummy's day. And she's mm-hmm. like... I don't like you kids. I'm going to go in the church, creepy church now. Hold on. Let me light this cigarette. All right, what do you want? What do you fucking demon children want? No fear at all. And then other times it's like, oh, no, a Ford truck is approaching. We need to go. (laughs) We need to go. It's a pre-catalytic converter (laughs) Ford. You know how much carbon monoxide is Oh, the emissions. The emissions on that truck. Trent. Trent, don't Trent. make me watch the emissions off the truck anymore. And you know, like she has another warbling sort of accent that she goes does. in and out too. She really does. But when we first meet her, she's so stolid. Mm-hmm. I was expecting that. Right. And we don't get that. No. We get I'm stolid. I'm stolid. She immediately oh my starts God, a going, dog. Right. going poopy pants. She's like, crazy. Yeah. They get to the the. And you expect Sam Neill as our POV character to be like something weird. Something's weird. It's like something ah. weird's going on here. But no, he's like <laughs> ah, they didn't even finish painting the. Uh, they're doing a horrible job on this town. It's going to make lots of money dollars for the money for the book. <laughs> money dollars, yeah. Whatever he's paying you, he's wasting his money. He's wasting his but money. But you know, like he, I actually like his performance. But mm-hmm. but I I wanted her to have a little more backbone to be our like through line. But the second, oh no, she, she's the one that goes bonkers first. And the, I think it's because probably she's closer to Sutter Kane, and he, could she's, be. Being she's read his that work. Way. She's read his work. Well, right. Sam Neill is too. But well, that's right. Um, one of the things that I, I loved about Sam Neill, to jump to him, is, and this is more the writing than his performance, although he sells it very mm-hmm. well, is one of the hardest things to do in fiction is to beat disbelief. So when, you're, when your characters are 
are sh exposed to like an impossible situation. Like, I'm telling you, the town's overrun by vampires, <laughs> right? It, to get the story moving, you have to have a moment where your character's like, well, just say I believed it. And then they slowly come and around. Slowly come, right. And they're like, okay, my God, it is vampires. We need to start cutting our neighbors' heads off and stuffing them full of garlic. You know, Sam Neill never, until the very, very end, flips. And that's always hard. Because if you have a, constantly have a hero who's digging his heels in, and he's like, no, this is bullshit. No, I don't believe in vampires. It's zombies, I'm telling you. No, um, this is, no it's can't It's not can't zombies. It can't, that's right. just not true you know like if you have a you would have a there would be a grain of doubt that then starts to well, turn away and the, the thing just from a just from a nuts and bolts storytelling perspective if your protagonist never goes with the flow there's no flow no if he just digs his heels in and oh and like, it's really irritating to watch right it's you're like come on well what i what i loved is in this instance uh uh, Trent's disbelief drives the plot. Right. That's brilliant. Mm -hmm. Finding a way to have a character who's like digging his heels in, and rather than stopping the story cold because you need your you usually need your hero to play along, right. and he's like, "Fuck that! I'm not playing along with any of this." I'm gonna smoke another cigarette. <laughs> I'm gonna smoke the sexiest cigarette you ever saw. But no, like two. That's him screwing the cigarette. Screwing in. the cigarette <laughs> into his mouth. But the fact that he doesn't believe allows the story to move forward mm -hmm. because it allows John Carpenter to heap more Just weird, more shit weird on. shit. If he was going along with it, we would sort of like skip ahead to like, all right, well, we do need to find Sutter Kane, and then every, you know, right. it would turn into an adventure movie. Whereas this turns into a, a great. Like slowly, the the slow eating away of someone's right. sanity, because rather than just go with the flow and re reframe his world to accept that uh, you know supernatural things are happening. And I think that the moment that he actually flips is when um, he sees the painting turn and look at no, him. No, I don't think it's that. It's when the dude blows his own head off because he's still like, "You guys are real professionals. You guys are like." He's got the mob. He's he's looped back around into the town. He's trying to escape in his car, and he gets caught in that loop of can't escaping doesn't the guy <clears throat> and he gets out and then or does it happen after either way but no you're it's right when the guy blows his head off that he's like oh no shit the looping happens after he sees that right. so even then he's still questioning because right. when he's driving he says that line where he's he says like a couple of wrong turns just got turned around right so he still thinks he's still like, like okay somehow they rigged you up see the that moment of acceptance too, like the third or fourth time it happens he's like not even freaked out anymore. He's like, oh, ha, ha. he's almost laughing. Okay, yep, here we here go. Here we go. It's back into town. <sighs> and then and then he needs you to he needs you to do something for him. It's weird. I cannot remember. I remember when he crashes the car. Yeah. When cuz he sees Linda in the road and he like swerves and crashes, but I don't remember what happens directly after that. Like when he wakes up, he wakes up Sutter Kane is doing something. Oh wait, what does happen right now? I don't he wakes know. Up? I don't remember what how we get from that to being to him in, in the church. In the church, like there is a blank space. Oh, he head. wakes up and he's in the confessional. Oh, that's why there's a blank space. It's a huge jump in it's time. A huge jump in time. He's just sitting in a confessional with Sutter Kane, which as the priest, by the way, was a great move. That yeah. that that um. The cinematography of that top-down shot, mm -hmm. that was beautiful. And I'm wondering, like, we've seen confessional shots before. A lot of times they do, like, super close-up stuff. But Sin City in particular mm. does that really long top-down shot. I found out something interesting about the um, 
the uh, bird's eye view cameras. Mm-hmm. Sam Neill started his career as a director and advised John Carpenter that in the hotel and in the confessional would be that might be good a good oh, idea no to shoot from the top down to create that reader perspective. Whereas we're looking down we're at looking the characters down at the as characters. they that's bustle really around. Cool. And Carpenter you took his suggestions, and that's why those shots are in there. Love I thought that was pretty sweet. Um, <laughs> Sam Neill's delivery. I had a favorite line because. I, I wrote worst line delivery ever question mark and I kept watching for a little bit and then I went back and I wrote best line delivery ever. <laughs> it's when he's arguing with Linda right after he has become convinced that the whole thing's a put on. It's when she reveals that yes it was but that's how I know it's not. Right. And he goes uh, ha- you know have me come out here and get a little scared and have this big insurance scam so I can help you sell a few million more copies. Well Fuck that. He's almost yeah. out of breath when he says well, it. Well, fuck that. He's barely breathing yeah. when he says it. But uh, when he goes, when he's like at the end. He's at the absolute end of his breath. And he goes, well, fuck. It's like barely speech. And I was like, all right, come on. Is John Carpenter really? He's not going <laughs> to take an, that one. He's not going to take another pass at that. And then I'm like, worst line ever. And I keep moving on. And I kept thinking about it. And I'm like, that was fucking that was brilliant. brilliant. That was so good. Best. That line was the ever? Yeah, like best line delivery yeah. ever. Like yeah. the fact that he he found the extra teaspoon of breath <laughs> just to that get little, uh, that, uh. Oh my god! And it's so it's so the way that you actually would be if you were yeah. that enraged. Yeah, you wouldn't be like help you sell a few more million copies. Well, fuck that. No, right. you'd be like, Bleh. and Oof. then you're like, right. you know, and I need one more thing to say. You've made me ache. <laughs> fuck. And he gets it yeah. out. I was like, bravo, Sam Neill. Well done. Well, well done. done, sir. I loved that. And then I had it. Uh, and at this point, I'm just sort of like ping, 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 trying to mm-hmm. do some housekeeping before we get to the ending, which was the most bullshit ending of all time. Yep. Oh, it's such I a throwaway. I like the movie, but oh my God. It's like the, it's kind of like a Stephen King novel where he just doesn't know he how doesn't to know end, how to end it. it. It's aliens and end scene, right? Right. Yeah. You're like. Because it's set up, it's bookended, right? He starts in the asylum, we end in the asylum. You're assumed he's the last sane person left Dude, on Earth. Stop, stop. We're in the asylum, it's, things are going crazy. Let me wonder, let me wonder. Yeah. It's like, and now, 40 minute denouement. <laughs> it's not 40, but it's but, like 10 but yeah, minutes it's more like, movie on. than you need. Um, All you but, need is him walking out of the out of the asylum and listening to, mm-hmm. the, to the broadcast. This is a recording, if you can hear this. Right, right. Yeah, if you end it in the lobby... Okay. Uh, if we ended in the lobby, I'm I'm happy as hell. Like, and ended in the lobby, he hears the broadcast, and we zoom out or whatever. But but he goes he goes outside and he wanders to town and in town. Oh my God! There's he, a movie there's directed a movie by John Carpenter directed called by, In the Mouth of Madness. But it stars John Trent and Linda Stiles, and right. you're like, oh, so now it becomes so meta and yep. so. F- Far flung at the end. I even kind of liked that, but at this point, I was like starting to cash out. I'm like, right. "What are we doing here?" Yeah. And then the last, the end of the movie is I'm sitting in the theater watching, watching the, the movie, movie, and I'm like, you "The went, thing that went in my head is far. when will them be now?" I was like, "Are we watching Spaceballs the movie now?" Yeah. It's like it's, in the car- in the mouth of madness, the movie. It's and- pretty much. It pretty much becomes that. Um. Yeah. So I mean, the the end. I don't know. The at the end. I was just. I always had a problem with the end. I was so I was so upset with that. I was like, "Is this? 
what are we doing here? Are we doing predestination? Is this? Yep. It, give me the if if we were to end it in the in the HP Lovecraft tradition, this would end with like the broadcast, and we do a pan out. And we would see there's no ocean, but if right. there, if, you know, there would be an ocean, and we would see like some dark shape rising, and then we'd. Cut. That's it, right? Because you can't. The moment you show us what happens, I'm like, oh, this is. Oh, so what happens is bullshit. Right. Bullshit is what happens. Yes. All right. I got nothing else for this except, if there's no smoking in the hotel, why does she have an ashtray on the? So that they can the put counter. there because this is the '90s when people would just think it's okay to walk in with a lit cigarette, and that's oh. where you can extinguish your cigarette. So th- sorry, this is no smoking. Oh, here's your sorry. Ashtray. Let me put my cigarette out. Yeah, okay. That used to be a thing. All right. Well, as thank you for as I have Absolutely. never I've never smoked cigarettes. I smoked for a long time. Well, there so, you yeah. go. No, cause <laughs> I was always one because this you're you're right. It's in the liminal space between if you're not smoking, the owner's right. offended. Like, what? You don't feel comfortable smoking here? Right. Here's a fucking cigarette. You you know right exactly. <laughs> so like. Uh, it's between that space and like if they smell a, a sealed packet of cigarettes in your pocket, you're taken outside and shot. Right. So we're in we're between in that, that space. In that okay. hallway. Gotcha, of, yes. gotcha. Okay. All right. I mean, I'll tell you right now. Not this. This movie was delightful. Yes. Because it's a '90s it's a new fun romp, cinema man. movie. It's but great. It's, and I'm sh- I'm sure on second schlock. on second watch, there's gonna be more stuff to sure. catch and pick. There is. But uh. But on the whole, boy, did that ending take the wind out of my sails. Yep, I didn't dumped even, it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so in the uh, in the mouth of madness, which is a itself a pastiche of H.P. Lovecraft's story at the mountains of madness. I love it. I love it. I, you know what? I loved it too. It was yeah. a, it was a good movie. So uh, I got nothing else. Perfect. You have anything else? I don't. I'm really excited about uh, the the Patreon exclusives that we are going to have. Um, right. Oh, we should do some out. housekeeping. Yeah. A little bit um, of housekeeping. Okay. So yeah, every month we're going to put out four episodes on iTunes available to the public. We're going to put them out uh, four at a time, so you can binge the episodes Absolutely. and, and uh, watch the movies at your own pace at your leisure. Um, but we are also doing an atta- there's going to be an attached Patreon so there will be a Patreon associated with this podcast and uh, what we're going to do is as of right now any movie that has a remake um, sometimes movies that have a long series of sequels we're going to do uh, episodes for those remakes uh, sometimes we're going to do um, episodes for the sequels like w- for example in the future we have a horror uh, when we're doing a bunch of horror films and we might do I Spit on Your Grave right. but we're going to do all of the I Spit on Your Grave movie the original, the remake uh, I Spit on Your Grave 2 and 3 and we're going to do all four of those with a special guest uh, reviewer mm-hmm. and talk about those and release that whole package Package as a Patreon exclusive, exactly. uh, we might, as we talked about at the head of the show, we might do a couple of new release type things exactly. to make it more of a review show. But there will be lots of lots. Hopefully, eventually, there will be lots of extra content, lots of episodes you won't be able to hear on iTunes, um, and lots of movies that might be a bit too extreme for the the standard right. show. There are some that I that I want to dig into, especially that it might be a little bit too right. I'd love to do. We we're doing an exploitation uh, on an ep- a month of exploitation films, and some of the ones we talked about, b- films that we both mm-hmm. love, might be a touch too porny. Just a little bit <laughs> <laughs> for the for the standard. I'd like. I'd love to. Get, I'd love to do Cannibal Holocaust. I was going to say Cannibal Holocaust is always sort of like that. It's, it's right out there. It's Isn't when it? you when you yeah. say like the movie that might be too much. It's always it's cannibal, cannibal Holocaust. Holocaust. So I'd love to do that movie, but if we do, it'll be a Patreon. They eat a live sea turtle. They do. Animals died making that movie. What the fuck? It's f- but you know what? I even with the animal cruelty, which is cringe worthy. Yes, that movie's 
as far as horror goes, if you are into extreme horror, it's a pretty fucking good movie. And right. we'll talk about that over on over Patreon. Over on Patreon, yep. All right, so that's all I've got for you today. Um, next, well, actually, we're not doing this as a next week type thing. Nope. But, uh, you know, uh, keep on rolling. Our next episode's going to be a Scanner Darkly. Then we're doing The Machinist, and we're ending with Adrian Brody's uh, descent into morgue drawer <laughs> madness in the jacket. All right, so... Uh, Oh yeah, we're doing a bad intro every, or a bad <laughs> a outro. Bad outro. That's, All right, this is on you. so here we go. Uh, oh shit, I was gonna write a bunch of these down. We don't have our outros figured out, so on off the fly, the, off the top of come my, on, Max. Off the top of my come head, on, we're gonna say uh, the floors are sticky, the monsters were icky. That was in the mouth of madness. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>